0: welcome back to another episode of inner outer my name is sage and today we will be talking about a concept that is quite complex and nuanced but so important for every single one of us to contemplate and that is how we define who we are right now i am sipping on some hot coffee i made some homemade oat milk and put together a yummy little latte this morning. I've been making my own nut milks and grain milks for so many years and generally just cooking a lot of things from scratch. I'll be announcing soon ways that you can engage with me more on the basis of wellness and holistic health. I will have another platform where I discuss food and diet, cooking things at home, and preparing food for myself is so cathartic, especially during stressful times. Like this week, I've been dealing with a lot of personal situations and preparing food has always just been this safe haven for me. It's been an outlet of creativity and just a way to connect back with the bountiful goodness that this earth gives us. It brings me back to the present and reminds me to be grateful and it's such a beautiful way to feel like I am nourishing myself even throughout moments of hardship or challenging times. So that's just a little reminder that if you're going through something right now that may be activating your nervous system or provoking more anxiety than usual, it's really important to have those little practices those moments of self-care, those moments of tuning back into yourself to really just care for your body, your mind, your spirit, something that relaxes you and reminds you to stay grounded. It's really all in the little things. We don't need to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars. I love going and getting massages and going to the spa, but when you're not able to do so, you can recreate that experience at home, light some candles, make yourself some warm tea, do things that just really ground you into the present moment. And it helps to not feel like everything is so overwhelming or out of your control because your focus is solely on the task in front of you, whether it's doing a little skincare routine or chopping some vegetables. So to get into our conversation for today, I'll start with a simple definition of identity. It's based on what we identify with and what others define us by. There is always this interplay of internal and external factors. People may perceive us based on how we appear to them and make assumptions about who we are, what we believe or how we act. And as a result, our self-perception constantly shifts with the external world, how we are received and the feedback that we are given. From even our childhood, we're told certain ideas that go into our subconscious, and we'll be talking more about the subconscious mind later. These concepts become part of our internalized belief systems without us really even realizing it. Our self-identity starts to crystallize and it becomes the way that we relate to the world. It determines the spaces we believe we can occupy, the people we surround ourselves with, and ultimately our future. Even if we cannot recall the conversation or direct comment, the input we receive informs our identity throughout the rest of our adult lives. Beyond just person-to-person interactions, our society, culture, environment, and religion all add to the building blocks that create our sense of self. It's really interesting to think of this concept of input. Before we can speak, before we can formulate our own ideas and opinions and beliefs and engage in dialogue, we are solely consuming and absorbing information. So most of us would look back to childhood as being a really critical time to analyze what external factors were influencing our development. But in various different philosophies, spiritual teachings, and in the field of transpersonal psychology, attention is actually given to the child as it develops in the womb. In one of the minor upashanads, the garba upashanad, it's of the Vedic Sanskrit text, it's written that as a child develops in its mother's womb, and womb is garba, has an awareness of the outside world. It even states that there is a responsibility of the parents to teach the child ethics and values. This is not far off from what modern research shows us, that around 20 weeks of gestation, the developing child can become capable of hearing different ranges of sounds and I believe it's at 18 weeks that it starts recognizing internal sounds in the mother's body. It can actually respond to those noises. It's like when a mother feels a kick in her belly, maybe there was a loud noise or it heard the mother or father's voice. I think it's really interesting to consider this because it puts a perspective on how long we have been taking in sensory information, even from before the point that we are born. Before we have the ability to speak, we are receptive to the world. As human beings, we are constantly being shaped and influenced by our environment in ways that we cannot fully comprehend. And the power of this to shape our thoughts and our behaviors cannot be underestimated. So as we grow up and grow into adulthood, we have this idea of who we think we are. And it's normal to be attached to this idea because not having an identity would lead to an ongoing crisis where we are trying to define what the self is because we have no baseline of understanding for it. But this attachment can lead to limiting beliefs that constrain our sense of self and what we believe to be possible. Because without self-awareness, this identity remains largely static and unchanging. Without introspection, we remain deeply influenced by ideas that may not be congruent with the person we want to become. In Jungian psychology, this can be called the process of individuation, which can be described by this quote. The aim of individuation, equated with the extension of consciousness and the development of personality, is to divest the self of its false wrappings of persona, the mask the personality uses to confront the world, and the suggestive power of numinous, unconscious contents. Individuation can then be described as the journey of self-realization the evolving towards consciousness and the discovery of the true self it states that in order to interact with the world we develop a false self and that we must integrate our shadow and form a relationship with ourselves in which the ego is actually in service to the self the important distinction here is that the self is not defined as the ego. By letting go of the false self or the persona, as Jung calls it, and disidentifying with limiting beliefs, we can reclaim the parts of our identity that we haven't taken ownership of. And make room for the person we're becoming. By allowing our identity to shift and change, we embrace this process of self evolution and get to know ourselves more intimately on a daily basis. I believe that at some point in our lives, we feel this call to ask ourselves who we really are, or we feel an incongruency with the way that we're living and the type of person that we want to be. And this is when we must take an inventory of our internal landscape to gain clarity on what those core values, desires, and interests are to ask ourselves these questions, not expecting that the answer shows up right away, but just bringing it into our consciousness. Sometimes our own behaviors, tendencies, and beliefs are what causes the chasm between who we are in this moment and our more authentic self. Physical barriers can oftentimes be easier to remove than our deeply ingrained mental roadblocks. We tell ourselves stories that we've constructed, and a lot of them no longer serve us. But through repetition, we determine it to be truth. Why not choose a different vantage point? And as a result, open up space for a new outcome, for new possibilities. There are many ways to begin this journey of self-understanding and work on our mental programming And I will briefly discuss three practices that I believe facilitate this process very well, which are intentional solitude, introspective practices, and subconscious reprogramming. And I really think that all of these go hand in hand. The word solitude may make some of us feel a little uncomfortable. I'm not talking about isolation, especially not the type of isolation that we experienced in recent years where we are forced to be alone. But this is rather choosing in an empowered way to go a period of time where you can do your inner work without as many distractions. While Evolving through interpersonal connection is a beautiful phenomenon and it happens so organically. If we don't have the time or space to delve deeper into our internal world, we can begin defining ourselves based on the roles we fulfill in other people's lives or who we are in the context of that relationship. Even when our lives are filled with meaningful relationships, a successful career, and the joys of social events, it can also mean that we don't have that space to tune back into ourselves. Have you ever noticed that when you start hanging out with a friend all the time, you pick up each other's mannerisms, you realize their laugh is sounding a little bit more similar to yours. You start using the same lingo and terminology. Your worldview influences each other's. None of this is bad, but gradually it is simply in our human nature to be like a chameleon and to also mirror the behaviors of others in order to fit into our social environments this is even more relevant if you have deep connections and if you care deeply about what the people in your life think of you and want to impress them and make them proud and be a good friend and be a good partner and be a good son or daughter it's a great thing to strive towards but along the way there might be subtle compromises that we're making that aren't actually in alignment with our true self, even if we don't know exactly how to define our true self just yet. It's also an opportunity to momentarily step back from the responsibilities and expectations that preoccupy us. If you are a parent, you are never not parent it is ingrained in who you are it is the role you have stepped into i do not have children i have my two beloved cats but i can observe this once you are a mother once you are a father you don't get time off from being that and if you were to ask my parents they would probably say that it's a moment they start thinking everything is all right, that they get a call, that me or my other siblings need them. A profound gift I have received in my life is, especially with my father, that he's always been there for me. He is just one call away, and even if he can't solve the problem I'm facing, he's at least there to talk me through whatever is going on in my life at that period of time. But I can also see that in his life, he never really had anything outside of fatherhood that was for himself. He just worked a lot and was really tired a lot. And I know that having a family was the most fulfilling thing that he had in his life. But I think that something becomes lost when one's own self dissolves completely into the role practical or archetypal that they fulfill. Perhaps you take on the role of caretaker for all your friends. They all know that they can come to you and get advice and you readily give it. This might feel really good for a long time until you begin realizing that in a way that this role has its shadow side. It has ways that it can constrict your personality because maybe you feel as though you can never show what you perceive as weakness because you are the one who is expected to have the wisdom and give sage advice. I think that through solitude we can develop stronger more intimate relationships with better boundaries with clearer ideals and connect more with other people because we have a better understanding of ourselves. and if we have a better understanding of ourselves, we can start to clearly see others as they are and not what we project onto them. The next suggestion for this inner work is any type of introspective practice. One of my daily practices is meditation. It has taken me a while to get onto the routine of meditating daily and really get past the initial resistance and feeling like I'm bad at this, I don't know how to do this. I always go through cycles where I will meditate more and then kind of fall off, and I I had never really been able to develop the habit of doing it every day. I think what really finally got me to commit to it is, first of all, just noticing the short-term impact on my mood, my energy levels. I could physically feel like I went from vibrating at a really low and negative level to within a matter of 10 or 20 minutes bring that vibration to higher and feel filled with a sense of gratitude it helps calm my nervous system and just a whole surplus of different benefits and then also seeing it manifest into my life and the state of calm that I can carry with me into other situations as life has its undulation and ups and downs. So why I think it's important for discovering our true self is because we witness our thoughts and we learn how to not identify with them. We can calm a chaotic mind that might be pulling us in one direction or another. If you're an overthinker like me, you will be caught up with these ideas of what should I have said? What should I have done? Maybe that was the wrong thing. And this really just allows for you to let that all go and accept things as they are right now in this moment. And the other really beautiful phenomenon is that it can create that room for subconscious material to arise to the surface. As William Blake wrote, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite. I think we too are infinite, and These are the moments where we can tune into the rippling waves of our collective consciousness. Journaling is another wonderful introspective practice that can help with sense-making as we go through our lives. We can cultivate that inner voice and how we uniquely interpret the world. And There's no judgment here. We can just freely transcribe our thoughts. It allows us that opportunity for reflection that we seldom are given by the world. And we can even look back on previous entries to observe how we have developed over time and witness the different chapters of our life. And the last suggestion is subconscious reprogramming the work of Dr. Shad Helmstetter, what we do in our lives is based on our mental programming, which holds limiting beliefs and a lot of negative self-talk. So his method, quite simple one, is to rewire the subconscious brain through affirming statements. The difference between this and the affirmations that you or I may be more used to is that it's done on self-talk tapes. This was, I believe, developed back in the 80s, so it was actually on a tape, but nowadays I just do it on the voice notes app on my phone. And it's supposed to be played while you're doing other things, while you're actually kind of multitasking or distracted, whether it be brushing your teeth or washing dishes or, you know, um, getting a little bit of work done. And that's where it bypasses the conscious mind and goes directly into the subconscious. And I'm aware that subconscious reprogramming kind of sounds like this new spiritual idea, like it may be some woo-woo concept. But there is significant research within the last 10 years or so on the power of the subconscious. Not as much as there could be, but it's definitely known in mainstream science. Doing these self-talk audios has profoundly impacted my life it's not only made me more conscious of what i have internalized and believed to be true but it's given me the power to change my own narrative. And when I'm creating the affirmations, I am just doing what I believe would be the best thing to say in that moment. Kind of revolving around what I want to work through or the type of person I want to be, but it's really throughout this whole journey, you know, from these different angles of doing this work, of doing this self-examination, that those things start to arise. I think that if you were to sit down and ask someone, okay, what's blocking you? What's limiting you? They may have an answer and it will probably be true, but that's just one thing out of the 500 things that may be stored in the subconscious. So on the surface level, I might think, okay, well, I feel a certain way, you know, I feel stuck in my career and I feel like I can't make any significant strides. And then what happens is that I think if you open yourself up to this journey and this process, you will start having certain intuitive ideas, internal directives and thoughts and messages, unexpected clarity that helps you understand what is actually the driving force behind that. And maybe it goes back to something in childhood. Maybe it goes back to being told that your success is equated with a certain job title or career. Maybe you remember a conversation that you had with your parent or that you overheard heard or something that you observed it could be that everyone in your family became a doctor and you're the only one who didn't and so you just never feel fulfilled in your career because you're actually focused on how it appears to and how it seems to other people so that being said don't expect to know what all those limiting beliefs are especially not all at once just allow yourself to be open to them and to reflect on them and ask yourself, is this something I really believe? Do I think it's true that the only way to success is through one specific career path? And if the answer is no, then that's where the work lies. And it's extremely liberating. That's why we do it. Because once you release that, it's this way that you get to let go of and you feel lighter. And that's where I think we get to rewrite our own stories. It doesn't have to be determined by our past experiences or determined by anyone else. Mm -hmm. Although the process is challenging and never linear, letting go of the false self, makes room for our truths to emerge. Putting a pause on the incessant noise of opinions and judgments and perspectives gives us breathing room. This is just one small angle, one tiny perspective on a larger conversation. I hope that you find the way back to yourself because knowing yourself, understanding yourself is one of the most worthwhile and necessary undertakings. I would love to hear your thoughts and whether you've Tried any of these practices, and if they've helped you to determine what your limitations may be, what beliefs no longer serve you, and just more about your own journey of self introspection. Let me know in the comments on Apple Podcast or in the newsletter. You can find this in an essay format on Substack, and it will also have the podcast linked follow along for new episodes every Sunday and feel free to connect with me on Instagram. My handle is sage.wilder. You can send me an email on my website sagewilder.com. I so look forward to the next time we get to chat. Thanks for joining me today. Have a beautiful and blessed day.